rock stars, roadies, or groupies were harmed in the making of this broadcast. Giving it to you straight and no chaser. This is On the Rocks with Jamie Wilson. man woo guess what it's season two of on the rocks and welcome to our first pre-recorded show and it's also our first morning show because our amazing guest today is in another time zone across the world so i'm up early today just to be able to hang out with him and pick his brain man it's it's totally different doing it daytime i'm not even drinking booze i'm having coffee wow so this is going to be like i don't know what's going to happen on the show tonight but for sure it's going to be amazing because ooh, we've got a really great guest for you. But hey, before that, guys, we are at GCQ, alert level two. That means cinemas are opening today, man, November 10. Theaters are going to open. Churches, gyms, will the bars be opening soon? Ah, oh, man, we are eagerly awaiting that. But hey, no more curfews, but the virus is still out there. So you better make sure that you stay vigilant and you stay safe. And of course, hey, we'd like to thank our uh, beloved friends that always uh, help us out and who has been backing us up ever since we started. Thank you so much to, of course, Offshore Music, Buenos Dias Panaderia, Misty Mountain Cafe, Liquor.ph, and, of course, our new partners, Anchor by Spotify. So, hey, it's going to be a fun show because we have tonight one of the hardest-hitting drummers in the music scene, he has greatly influenced the whole generation of musicians and continues to do so with his new man and his radio show podcast and his no-holds-barred exploration and ongoing discovery of music old and new. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my good friend, Wolf Hemora. Yo, what's up, Wolf? Yeah. How you doing, man? How you doing? Man, I'm good. Good to see you, Jamie. What's up? What's up? Always I like, good to I like, see you. I like your background. <laughs> well, you know, I'm actually broadcasting from the beach right now. I've had uh, a few things to do out of town. I thought I'd take a breather, get out of the city, reset my brain, get sunburned. You know, you look like you're in a nice little cave over there. Oh, this is my yeah. This is my room, and uh, it's nighttime now. So, and it's cold. That's why I like your setting much better. <laughs> and, and and it's one of the things that I miss about the Philippines is the the beach, man. Going to the beach, uh, and just just hanging out. I, I, there's something about a, hanging out in a tropical beach that you cannot yeah. get anywhere else. I, yeah. I I can't. You can't get it anywhere else. It must be the air or the wind, you know, the breeze. And it's not, it's definitely not cold, but it's not hot because there's a, that continuous breeze. 
Yeah, it's the weather's been beautiful. The weather's been beautiful, and you know, you jump in, you jump into the ocean, and it's the perfect temperature. You get out; it's not too hot, but the sun is out, and it's a great time. So I wish you were here, Pat, because oh, dude, you yeah. know, I I know how it feels when it gets cold over there. Pucha hassle, man. Hassle. <laughs> so many layers. You're, you're, you know, you're, um, you know. I don't like. Um, I don't like sleeping with the heater on because I'm not used to it. So I get, I, I sweat under the sheets, you know? And, and so I'm, I'm all wrapped up with like three layers with a, a beanie, <laughs> with, with, with a wool blanket. And, and you know, oh. I mean, it's like, uh, but then uh, right now it's just, it's just right. It's like um, almost like Baguio cold. So it's cool. Uh-huh. Nice, 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 nice. But it's gonna get it's gonna get colder, man. Oh yeah. So brace yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. So Wolf, you know, how have you been during this pandemic, man? It's been, you know, at least you guys are have opened up there already. You know, has life gone back to normal there in uh, in California? Well, in Orange County, yes. Um, because a lot of the residents here are seniors. Mm. So when the when the inoculation drive started in March, this it was you know it was seniors first, then uh, you know then the rest you know yeah so pretty much every old person here in Orange County and and Los Angeles and California California they're all they're all vaccinated good. now vaccinated oh, now they're actually getting boosters now okay. Because it was it was back in March when they first got it. Like I, I'm a caregiver during uh, uh, by day, and my patient she just got her booster last week, and um, yeah, and everything's opening up. But the thing is, in Los Angeles they put another mask mandate again. Okay. It, yeah, it's like now everyone has to wear masks again outside, okay. everywhere. Yeah. Because I, I I was just at the show. Uh, last Wednesday, two nights ago, I saw this band, Krung Bin, really good band. And, you know, it was, you know, you didn't have to wear a mask. But you, that was the first time I showed my, my vaccination card. <laughs> get in somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, the same deal here. I don't leave home without my vaccination card because, you know, you, you get asked, you have to show it. I'm clear, you go. Yeah, but, but here in, in Orange County, we don't have to do that unless, unless the, it's really on the discretion of the artist. It's ah. not the venue's rules. Okay. So it, it really depends. If, so, so if the artist says, well, I want my audience to be either masked up or vaccinated. Or fully vaccinated. Wow. Vaccinated. Yeah. So it's, it's um, you know, there are rules. You know, it's regulated now. But then, of course, you have some states that are just, you know, very hard-headed. You know, they have a, they have a, they, I don't know, man. Uh, speaking as a 20-year immigrant, I'll be, it'll be 20 years next year. Wow. Uh, 20 years now? Yeah, 20 Fuck. years. Fuck. And, uh, but I've, I've still, I've still lived longer in the Philippines than I have here. So I'm still, yeah. you know, it's still, but it, it yeah, so that's that's the thing. But so and in as an and as an observer of a new culture, and you're learning the new culture, and you're like, 
my observations are like some some Americans have this really weird perception of freedom, mm. which Filipinos don't really look at freedom the way Americans do, and and I think and I and and from my observations from other cultures, it's it's the same thing. Americans have a, a weird way of of they have a they have an individualistic mm. form of freedom. It's not a collective form of freedom. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. I mean, there are, you know, I mean, like the cities, the big cities where diversity is 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 big, you know, is huge. Then people understand that diversity is. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the they they understand they understand the bigger responsibility. It's not just a personal thing, but it's a collective community yes. sense of responsibility to keep not only yourself safe but everybody else safe. Yes, exactly. There's that, but there it's is, not like that everywhere, but No, 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 no. That's why there's there's that, that's what I've observed. There are these two kinds of Americans: the Americans that think that way collectively. You know, it's like organizers. You know, community organizers. Kailangan tayo lahat yan. And then there are those people who are like that, who are just ako lang, me. I'm yeah, yeah. Out myself. Yeah, I'm looking out for number one, you know. Looking out for number one, and I gotta do it myself because I know that no one's gonna help me or whatever. They have this mentality that no one's gonna help them, so I'll help myself. But then when they get when when they're successful, they tend not to share stuff because. That's you know, it's like I got this myself. It's like, why am I gonna give it to that dude who I don't even know? I you think know, culturally, culturally it's very different because with us, uh, the sense of community, the Bayanihan spirit, the you know, it's always better with you know, you you spread you spread the blessings basically, or you know, in some instances the wealth or whatever little food you have, you will share it, or whatever, yeah. you know, if you have a lapad or tara, let's let's share this lapad. Yeah. There, it's a, it's it's very different because I guess they they've had to fight tooth and nail for every little step. You know, I mean, in some ways, I think life is harder there, but in some ways also, it's so much easier than like say being here. You guys are arguing about masks um, because now there's a new mandate about masks, right? Mm-hmm. We are even stuck discussing face shields. We are still stuck. Yeah, I know, man. Discussing face shields. Even Whoa. though even though everyone knows that it was a scam. Yeah, dude, and it, it doesn't help. It's actually more of a hazard wearing a face shield because, you know, it, it, it impedes your vision, et cetera, et cetera. And we're not even thinking about uh, things in a sense of freedom or even things in a sense of comfort. It's things that, like, for example, in the case of the face shields here in Manila, right, or in the Philippines, mm. it's, it's an additional cost. Right. I mean, uh, we have the longest lockdown in the world. Work has been very hard to get. So everybody's tightening their belts. And then I have to go back and buy a face shield. Yeah, exactly. And here, it was it was never even suggested a face shield. That's why when, when everyone started using face shields in the Philippines, no one else in the world was wearing face shields, man. I know. I know. I know. It drives me nuts, man. So even yeah. the option of going out without a mask, is not, it's not anywhere near our horizon because we're still stuck in the conversation about the face shields. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm just glad because now we, we eased up our community restrictions here. 
So things are opening up more for the economy than anything else because the vaccines are rolling out really slowly. But at least, you know, there's a, there's, you know, that light at the end of the tunnel that we've been waiting for for so long. We can catch a glimpse of it now. My worry is we're going to get locked in the man and we're going to go back on lockdown. No, well, like, that's like that, two steps that, forward, ten steps back. Pal. Well, that's what that's when community has to come together and say we yes. gotta shift because we, yeah, because it happened here. It's already happened. There's a pre, pre there's a precedent or precedent. Yeah, um, it happened here. Um, this time last year was a second major lockdown, and the second one was worse. It was the total lockdown. So many businesses, restaurants closed in the second lockdown because we, the Americans got laxed when the first, uh, uh, California, I mean, I'm just talking about California. When the first uh, lockdown was slightly lifted, everyone just went to, you know, the bars. Everyone's, yeah, parties! <laughs> America won! Yeah! <laughs> and then after a couple of weeks, People started getting sick, man. You would just yeah. see the news. The, the numbers would just get rise and rise and rise. So lockdown number two was, was worse than the first one. But I know what you mean when you say light at the end of the tunnel because I experienced that same feeling back in probably May. Because May, almost all of the seniors... Of California were inoculated. Vaccinated, or... yeah. So everyone else were was everyone else, the adults, yeah. all the other, yeah. ad, the rest of the adult adults. And then when that started happening, then they started opening theaters. They started opening uh, the groceries, and then uh, I've been watching movies in the theater for the past like four four months, five months. Uh... It's uh, amazing. It's amazing. I'm telling you, man. When the movie watching this. Once the movie theater goes, you go in there and you watch. Because <laughs> you will see what you've been missing. Oh my god, it's amazing. Amazing. But it's funny. Who would have thought that you know our life uh, before the pandemic was so we, we enjoyed all these things that we took for granted. And we were actually discussing it with you know um Silla Gold, my wife. Uh, a few friends of mine, like, what do you miss the most? It's like, it's the simple choice or the option of being able to go and watch a movie Ugh. or going and watch, going to a bar, seeing your friends and watching a band that you enjoy. And I remember before the pandemic, you know, sometimes we get tamad or sometimes, wow, Friday, payday, traffic, diba? we don't want to go out. I'll yeah. catch them along next week and all that. We took so many things for granted that when oh. this pandemic is finally over, but anybody invites me out for coffee or a drink, or I'm I'm there, I'm there, I'm there like swimwear. You know yeah, what I mean? I know, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> I know because I'm not I'm not gonna wait to like oh next week we might be in lockdown. I'll have coffee that we do now. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and then another thing is, is the bars. That's why I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like you. It's really up to the people, man. If you want it to stay open. Yeah. Then you gotta be vigilant. You gotta police yourselves. You gotta. It's like um, there has to be protocols. Yeah. Like if there's a show, if you're the pro, if you're yeah. the pro, you can't have thirty bands at night. A night, you can only have three bands. You pick the yeah. th three bands of, of yeah. the thirty, 
and then you make sure that they bring people. You know, it, it has to evolve. The yes, but it can't be like before in a thirty bands. No way. I, well, no, if, I think if, we're never gonna be we're never gonna be able to go back to business as usual. Yeah, it has. It, I mean, this this pandemic and this entire experience, and it's a shared experience, not only um, you know by my fellow Filipinos, but then all over the world, it's a shared experience. So collectively, we have to rethink the way we work. We have to rethink the way we uh, enjoy ourselves. We have to rethink the way um, things are done mm -hmm. and adjust. And yeah. I'm really glad, like with this pandemic, I mean, I'm not glad that there was a pandemic, but one thing I really observed, um, there's so much music. I think there were more, there was more original music released during the pandemic than the past three years. No, oh, yeah. And that for me is an amazing thing because, you know, it, it used to take years to make an album. Now people are like, Pucha, pare, I got to release this song. Pucha, I, I, we got to get together and record. Even via email, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I I I follow a couple of uh, online online musicians on Instagram, and half of them are already famous. They're actually playing shows now because everything's open. Now they're playing. They have fans, and they got yeah, they have fans now during the pandemic. So they're they're yeah, they call them pandemic bands, pandemic artists. Yeah. Is, yeah, is this a yeah. pandemic album? Is is this a pandemic book? You know, there are a lot of authors that, that yeah. came out with books too, you know. So there, yeah. you know, they, they, there's that phrase, you know, is this a pandemic, whatever. I mean, the, the you know, the melodies is a pandemic band. There you go. There you go. Anyway, I yeah. mean, speak, speaking, speaking about releasing new music, yeah. that's a prime example right there. Yeah. And 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 we'll talk about that later. But but like you said, I mean, there was so much music coming out in during the pandemic, and I was so inspired by. Uh, uh, I don't you. I don't know if you remember last year. I did live shows, live DJs. Yes. In my room. Yes. Yes. And that was inspired by Questlove, mm. who was doing that. Who started doing that when, when it seemed like. The lockdown was really gonna. I mean, because he was in New York, so they were locked down. Yeah, yeah, that was a hard lockdown. Yeah, they were super locked down. So when he is, I guess when they realized that okay, this is gonna be life for the next at least eight months or whatever. So he started spinning live in his in his living room, and I I would watch it because you know I, I fortunately I didn't lose my job because I'm a caregiver. So I would come home and everything is closed. So there's nothing to do. There's no programs because there's no new shows on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. So I'd be watching Questlove spinning live for four hours. He'd be just spinning for four hours. And be like, wow, I got inspired. I go, you know what? If he can do it, I can do it. So I, I discovered, I, I learned how to do it. Like everyone else learned how to do shit on YouTube, you know, and I learned how to do it. And and for I guess six months I was entertaining myself for people who were who were gracious enough to listen in, you know. It was really just to entertain myself, man, because if I didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, you'd yeah, we'd be we'd be going crazy. I mean, that's the same reason why I started this show. This show is a pandemic show. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's, it's a, it was an opportunity to reach out to people, you know. And the, you know, one of the reasons why we, we created On The Rocks is because 
basically, you know, I get I get to ask questions from you know my friends and musicians and great artists um, that I never get a, get a chance to whenever we see each other because we see each other and it's either at a gig or at a concert or a music festival and things are crazy and busy. We never really sit down. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a quick catch up. But yeah. I've always wanted to ask um, certain questions and get the story of like how you ended up where you ended up. You know, wh- how did you start doing what you started doing? And I always start with the same thing, Wolf, okay? Um, because we're, we're all a product of our childhood and the influences mm-hmm. um, and uh, the choices that we made that, has, that have led us here. But um, I want to ask you, what music did you grow up listening to? What's the first music you remember hearing at home? Oh, okay, so yeah. That would be songs from Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis, the Rat Pack, you know, the, the, yeah. the usual suspects of my parents' generation. And then I would hear, that. that's the earliest stuff I would hear, crooners, you know, like really dramatic songs. And who, then, was, who was who was the music aficionado in in uh, amongst them? Your mom or your dad or both? Uh, both of them. Both of them. Both liked, of them. They like they like to listen to music. They like melody. Uh, they understood melody. You know, they didn't. It, it. You know, they they didn't. They weren't music nerds like I am. Yeah. They understood melody, so you know they could sing along. They could. You know, it's not like some people are just like they just hear the music. Oh, that's good, and then. They're just like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever. Or, or, so anyway, yeah, both of them. And then I rem- and then I remember hearing this. I don't know what chord it is, if it's a D. Dang! It was the first chord of A Hard Day's Night. I remember that. Dang! It's been a hard day's night. That's the first yeah. rock song I ever heard. It's a hard day's night. Ah, I don't know where I heard it. I probably heard it from my parents because they were into the early Beatles, you know, the 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 cute the cute rock and roll Beatles. Yeah, the the, the matching suits and you know the, the yeah, yeah yeah you know the yeah. Michelle, my Bell, you know um, yeah yeah stuff like that because it was still even though they had the rock and roll little Richard Chuck Berry style, they had those songs like Michelle. And uh, and that that was kind of croonish, you know. That was more, you know. So that's what that was my first. Um, and then I remember, I remember seeing back in that those those days, early mid seventies. Channel Nine, they always used to um, show live concerts, as in the yes. whole. The whole concert. I remember. Yes, I remember those. Yeah. So in the afternoon, and so yeah. when you're a kid, you're, when once it's the afternoon, you're you're home already, you know. Yeah. So I and I remember Don McLean live, and I remember American Pie, and I was yes. I loved. I'm always and every time it came on, I wouldn't remember that. Hey, that's the that's the guy. I wouldn't remember who he was. But then it would always come to American Pie, and I'm like, I love that song, you know. I, I didn't say it out loud, you know, but I was like, that song, bye, yeah. bye, this American Pie, throw my Chevy, 
and then uh, uh, and then this will be the day that I die. That was the first time that I heard that word "die." Mm. You know what I mean? That's yeah, the, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Hearing the word that this will be the day that I die, it's like, whoa, die! Why is he gonna die? Yeah. Why? Why? Why is it so dark all of a sudden? I, yeah. You know. And, and I was probably, I would say, maybe six, seven, or eight, somewhere there. When, whenever American Pie the song came out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and add maybe a year or two to that in Philippine time, you know, during the seventies. <laughs> Yeah. You know, if it if that concert came out in 74, it would reach the Philippines a year later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A year or two later. Yeah. That's true. Later. And uh so yeah, yeah. And then I remember oh this this one is is one of my best musical memories of of my life. Is my we had or my parents had a copy of a vinyl live album of Harry Belafonte, live, mm. live at Carnegie Hall, 1965, I think. <clears throat> and uh, and I love that album. All 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 us siblings, we love that album because we would always play the album. Because Harry Belafonte's music is so is so fun. It's fun music. Yeah. So for yeah. a kid. You know, Matilda, she take me money and run Venezuela. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's it's so easy to absorb that kind of music when you're a kid. You know, coconut woman is coming mm. up. You know, deo, deo. You know. And, and it was live, pa. It was and a live recording, pa. I mean, if you if you can, when you get a chance, Spotify, Harry Bolafonte, live at Carnegie Hall. Oh my God, man. His vocals are really good, and 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 uh, I remember spinning that record a lot when I was a kid. And what I remember is when you look uh, um, the backs, the back, you know, it's the credits. No, it's mm. like the old albums in the sixties. They have they write they write the essay on the back. Yeah. And then there's this note scribbled with uh, you know ball pen. And I read it for the first time. It's like, dear Beth, it, Beth is my mom. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, I hope you like this album. Da, 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 take care, Popsy. Popsy's my dad. So I'm like, oh. this is a mixtape. <laughs> this is a mixtape from my dad to my mom. Yeah. I'm not married because, you know, it was. It was very, it was not, you know, it wasn't even a love letter. It was a very, uh, it was a mixtape. It's like the first time he gave a, a, a note to my mom, I guess, or something like that. So, yeah, so that album's special because the music was good and because of that, too. It was, it was, a, it was my dad's mixtape to my mom. <laughs> and the funny thing about it is that back in the day, and even now, if I, if I, you know, if I like a girl, I will always make a mixtape. Exactly. Yes. Well, nowadays, it's a playlist. Or a playlist. Now, yeah. I'll make a playlist now for you, diba. It's like, I can't help it, you know. If it's, if it's you know, the it's like the, always the first step if I'm, if I'm interested in someone. Oh, man, back in the day, dude, I was the master of mixtape, man. <laughs> okay, master. well, would you, would you, would you calculate the minutes? And then make all the songs like fit. Uh, no, 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 no. I wasn't. I wasn't that good. I wasn't that good. You weren't that OC. 
I was parang, in, okay, this has to end at the end of the C90. Yeah. It, you know, I can't I can't put Layla in the end because the song is too long. Yeah, I, yeah, you yeah. Know, the, 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 the piano solo has to be included. But I did have those calculations, though. I did have those calculations. I would make mixtapes that were like just short songs, so more songs would be on the tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and, <laughs> and then when and then when that person would be like, "Oh yeah, that's cool. Make me some more." Then I'd be, I'd I'd put in like a little like Jethro Tull in there, you know, a little <laughs> a little yes in there, a little Pink Floyd, you know. See how far you can take it, and then. I don't know, man. I was I was a shy kid, and I'm still shy when it comes to, you know, doing that stuff. You know, so I have my other ways of of, of, <laughs> of showing affection. I don't know of showing interest or which, whatever. Which yeah. little did you know, your dad Pala was doing it exactly you know? when I when I when I when I when I when I read it again because we kept the album for for a while. And then I, I read it again. That's when I realized when I was old. It's like this is a mixtape, man. It's a mixtape, dude. And uh, well, you know, but, but Wolf, like listening to your influences, like you know, um, with with Hard Day's Night, Harry Belafonte, um, you know, when when did you know rock and roll? Like like rock when did roll. you seriously surrender your soul to rock and roll? Do you remember that moment? I remember. Life? I remember that moment because it was. August 25, is it August 25? Or, yeah, it was August 25, 1985, Wembley Stadium, 7.20 p.m., when Queen played Live Aid. Wow. That's when, wow. I, that's when I sold my soul to rock and roll. That, that <laughs> that's the moment, man. That's the that's moment. The moment. I, was, I was already... Um, I was already air guitaring, mm -hmm. air drumming. You know, I was uh, I was fourteen, and all I could do back then was play the piano. You know, I had you mm. know piano lessons. You know, yeah. But I was already starting. Oh, you know why? Because uh, in seventh grade, a classmate of mine introduced me to MTV. Ah! Oh my God! So he had a he had a Betamax tape of, yeah. of just you know you you know someone in the his cousin in the states just said oh you we have MTV you gotta see this so he tapes it on the Betamax sends it to his cousin in Manila yeah his, his, my classmate gives it to me check this out man this is what they do in the state I put it on and it's like music video after music video so I'm yeah. I'm look I'm look I'm I'm listening to Scandal Blondie the Police. Mm. Michael Jackson, David Bowie. So I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> and it's MTV, so you see them. You're not just... Yeah, them. yeah. So I'm like, I'm yeah. seeing David Bowie. I'm seeing Michael Jackson. I'm seeing Madonna, Cyndi Lauper. And, you know, it's like, wow. So, I, so a year or two later, I, I'm so into whatever America's Top 40 is. That's my thing. Casey Kasem. Yeah. Back in, yeah. back in those days. Yeah. That was my thing. So I would, dude, this is how, uh, this is how much of a loner I was back in those days. I would make my own charts of what, of what songs I liked that day. Top 10. 
Every okay. day. I had a notebook every day with the date. Wow. So you would you would do Wolf's top ten out of out of the American top forty. Yeah, of, of, of whatever music I knew at the time. What, wow. So it's like, okay, uh, let's say today. What's my favorite song today? Oh, it's going to be In a Big Country by Big Country. What's, mm. my, what's the next one? Oh, I'm liking this song today. Dude, I would compile this. And then the next day, a, a, another list. It's like, oh, shit, In a Big Country is still my favorite song today. Oh, number one, paren. Dude, I was, I was, <laughs> I was such a nerd, man. No, but that's 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 actually amazing. Did you keep any of those notebooks? I no, sadly no. I, because that that would be an amazing frigging playlist in the in you know if you if you chart your musical journey, you can right. literally if you had kept the notebooks, but then you were doing it already back then. You were literally charting your musical journey. Yes, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then because... that eventually, I can imagine that eventually led, like you were mentioning, you were already air guitaring and you were air drumming and then you had to deal with your piano lessons and then you saw Queen on Live Aid. Because by the time by the time Live Aid came around, I was already into music already. Yeah. It's, yeah. It was mainstream music. But the thing is the mainstream music of 1984, 1985 was really good. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you know, it was really good. I mean not and not and and counting even counting out the the Badui stuff that was popular, mm. you know, because there was a lot of Badui stuff that was popular, but the the popular stuff that was really good was really good. Yeah, so I was already into quality music. So by the time Live Aid came around, and then when they showed the Live Aid poster, I think I saw it in either in the newspaper or in Jingle Magazine. They showed the poster, and this all these artists, right? It's a it's a music festival, but I never. Knew what a music festival was before that. Yeah, because we never, we never really had, or, or we were never really exposed to that level of a music festival um, yeah, here. I mean, before I mean, that, all these, all these bands in the lineup. I mean, all playing in one space. Are you serious? I was. I free. remember reacting to that with Live Aid. I'm like, pocha. I was. You freaking, know? Man, I was freaking out. I was like, <laughs> they can do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> they can actually do this because the, what was the festival before that Woodstock? I didn't know. What oh Woodstock, yeah, man. Yeah, never. I did. And then we and we didn't even see any movies or videos of oh, Woodstock. No, nothing, nothing. You know, at no. least we. I mean, we couldn't get our hands on the documentaries or the footage back then. Yeah. But you know, with Live Aid, I remember actually staying up um, really late to catch the simulcast. Well, and I think I think that was no, on Channel no. Nine. It, no, was it yeah, on Channel 9? Channel 9, but it wasn't at night, bro. Because early morning. Early morning, Sha. No, it wasn't early. It wasn't that early because England was first. London was first. Ah, correct. Not as it's not as balictad as the States. Yeah, yeah. So I remember because I remember uh, it started at 9 a.m. in Manila. Was it 9 a.m. or either 7 a.m. or 9 a.m. in Manila? Mm. That's what it started because I remember it was Saturday and I was right there in the TV right when it started. I remember Status Quo was the first band that played, man. And then Status Quo is, is a band from, you know, late 70s, 80s. And they're rock, totally rock and roll doing the thing with the guitars. You know, the two guitarists were, were doing the thing. And I was thinking, wow, what? 
I was like, oh my god, who are these people? And then and then the and then the popular bands would start playing. And then uh U2 played, and then yeah. Bono did that whole dramatic, you know. I'm sorry, I know you're a U2 fan, but I cannot stand Bono. <laughs> Since live aid pare. <laughs> Well, because because like you know the idiot decided to jump through the barricades and go down into the audience and no, then the rest of the band the rest of the band the rest of the band was wondering okay um is he coming back where is he you know he's at least dancing on the I mean you know what what he did was cool I I'm, I don't I, I that doesn't annoy me he himself annoys me somehow I don't know why there and there are other people that are the same thing it's like yeah man yeah. Bono annoys me, and I don't know why. And I, so I'm like that. But it's no offense to the music because I like I actually like uh, some U2 songs. They're really good. Yeah. But anyway, so U2 played, and I'm like, okay. And then and then Queen, and then and then Freddie Mercury, man. Yeah. And I never saw the only thing I saw of, of Queen before then was the video of Another One Bites the Dust. Yes. Yeah, that was on that was on heavy rotation in MTV because yeah. I would be getting those Betamax tapes from my cousins also from New Jersey. Yeah. I remember that specifically. But it iba yung iba yung music video na directed like a film and all that. And when you saw the raw energy of it live, and that was, and that was I, I remember much- I remember seeing that and going, man, these these motherfuckers are fucking crazy that they can actually do that. And the tremendous response that they were getting. Every Cambot, you had the whole frigging stadium screaming. And you're like, what the hell is going on? First of all, you know? first of all, that was the first time I ever saw that many people in one place watching something. I never saw True. anything like that. True. True. It's like now it's normal. You see it in every festival, every big yeah. festival, it's a huge crowd, at least 50,000 people. I've been in a crowd of 50,000 people here in the States, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, but that was the first time I saw it. And I'm like, the whole time, my joy is like, oh, how are they going to go to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. How are they? How did they all get there? How are they going to get home? Do they yeah. all know each other? You know, what's that kind of, it actually was a kind of a scary thing when I remembered seeing that many people. And yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't the, it wasn't like a full house sporting event where everybody was in assigned seatings. It was the first time I saw like the, the mosh pit. Yeah. It was the first time I saw everybody like seeking in the crowd, all On jumping together. Yeah. I was like, wow, what a what a what a collective, insane, scary, but exciting experience it must yeah. be. Yeah. It always fascinates me, man. Uh being in a in a concert crowd, not just a crowd, but a concert crowd. Yeah. There's nothing like it, man. There's nothing, nothing like, it. like it. So anyway, going back to Queen, and then so they do the first song, which is uh, Bohemian, and of course everyone I knew that song already. So like, wow, cool, man. And then yeah. they do Radio Gaga, and yeah. then the thing was the the video of Radio Gaga was 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 in heavy rotation when Live Aid mm-hmm. happened. So, mm-hmm. so popular. So and then and then in in Live Aid the people. M- Copied the video of doing the thing that, yeah, the thing. yeah, you know? exactly. I was freaking out. 
I was going out of my mind. My 14-year-old mind was freaking out because I'm like, oh, why? See, ah, what, what, is, what is this insane sorcery is this? going on? No? What is this? And it's and of course, what we're talking about is the rock and roll spirit. You know, yes. the rock and yes. roll. And I was seeing it and, and, and experiencing it for the first time. I didn't know that it was that's rock and roll, the attitude. It's like, yeah, oh, we're going to do what they did in the video because we're the crowd in the video. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. no one told them to do it. They did it. Yeah, it was spontaneous. It was collective. I was, my mind was being blown. And then after that, he goes with the, hey, oh. Yeah. Oh. And then I'm like, okay, 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 okay. I want to be like queen. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to do this. 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 How do, how do I do this? I want to do this. Exactly. How do I do this? And then after that, they, they go into Hammer the Fall, which is such a rock and roll song. And I'm, and that's it. I, I decided then and there. Um, this is, I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I am going to do this. And then after Queen, it was just everyone else. The Who played, Duran Duran, mm-hmm. Tina Turner. Yeah. And then, then you know, the States started their, 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 uh, their, 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 their broadcast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just so, okay. So, okay. So watch from, from, from that moment where you decided, okay, I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this. What eventually, you know, put you in connection with, like, the drums? Because, as you said, you were air drumming, you were air guitaring, you were playing the piano. That would be, that would be Gals. You remember Gals? Gals, no. You don't remember? You're in San Agustin? Yeah. Okay. You did, you didn't. You don't know gals because you were a co-ed. Yes. I don't think that, okay. San, that San Augustine joined it. It's called gals. It's the Girls Athletic League. And it's a sporting it's a sporting tournament um, that involves um, girls' schools in Manila. So it would be okay. Assumption, Poveda, all the all the all female yeah. schools, you know. But the thing is, they would have their opening ceremonies in La Salle Green Hills, in that big gym, the, you know, the, the mothership. I call that thing the mothership, the gym in La Salle Green Hills. And the opening competition is a cheerleading competition. Oh. Yeah. So you're in La Salle, all boys. It's like a prison, you know, of all men. Yeah. <laughs> and then... One Saturday, it's full of girls from uh, <laughs> at least seven schools. All the all the women's schools in 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 Manila, basically, are there. And they're on and they're on your turf. And they're on our turf, so <laughs> we're like prisoners, you know. Like <laughs> so, anyway, I was I was. I was already in this this church um, youth church group called Antioch. I'm sure you've heard of that. Yes. And um, and with friends of mine who were musicians there also, we formed we 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 didn't form a band because we formed for music. We formed a band because 
someone was asked, it's like, can you, do you have a band for us? And it was St. Scholastica's College, the high mm. school. So they were looking for a band to play. And somehow, um, we were, we were, we had an idea of forming, but we, you know, just, you know, teenagers forming a band. Yeah. But you no, know, there was, there was a purpose now. So we, we had to form, we had to form a band to play as the, as the, the pep squad of the cheerleaders of St. Sco, St. Scholastica's. And that's how it started. That's how my drumming started as a, as, as the cheerleading band, the cheerleader band. Yeah. So it, it was two drummers and then guitar, bass, uh, two guitars, one bass. And and of course the vocalist would be the pep squad, you know. Holy and, shit, I never I never knew this. I never dude, knew yeah, this. Yeah, so we would be and then we would practice. This is why it was so fun. And this is why it's like, okay, this is what I want to do because <laughs> you're in a band and you're every afternoon to practice, we would have to practice in Saints Co. So we would cross. I would cross the street from Lasalle to practice the the routines in Saints. Yeah, and you know you're in you're with all these girls, man. Yeah, yeah, and 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 with a legitimate reason. You're not you're not sneaking in to Saints. No, you're not in. You're, no you're, legit. I'm the band. You're with the band, exactly. You're with the band. <laughs> and all you're doing, and this is the thing, I start to realize, like all I'm doing is playing, and all these girls are like, yeah, wolf, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like. I like this. <laughs> so I was, so you know, that's when you start realizing because I didn't. No one really taught me what to expect. Mm. You know, no one really said, nah, "Oh, you're you're becoming a drummer because you like you want to get the chicks." I'm like, no, I didn't start. I wanted to be Freddie Mercury, man. Yeah, yeah. But then when I started actually playing the drums in a band, that's when you realize now. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay, okay, pa, okay, dito, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, so yeah, so so that's that's how it started, and then when and we won that year, so it was cool, man. Um, yeah, I remember we had a strong routine and two drummers, man, so we were loud, dude. And then in that gym, that big gym, you know, yeah, yeah, that, that gym, like, and then you know, just screeching girls because you know when 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 the it's the pep squad then the cheerleaders and the band and then the students yes so yeah. when cheering their their team on so it's like after the song bam Pare. oh my god dude. my god nothing prepares you for that no. nothing prepares you for that no. no when you hear a crowd screaming like that, it's like wow, your adrenaline starts to just you you feel yeah. your blood boiling, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I until now I'm still playing drums because I'm addicted to that feeling, you know. And it doesn't and we and, and we have the pep squad of Saints Go to thank for that. Oh yeah, <laughs> really. I mean really, who whoever's listening who yeah. Yeah, I'm still connected with a couple of them. Sandy Aloba, yeah, man, she was there. She actually became, yeah, one of the one of the Pep Squad became the first vocalist of of that band. recruit na kayo, Sandy, yeah, she's Sandy. Yeah, we recruited her because, like, 
we we it's like we had a band, so the competition ended, right? So we were like, okay, yeah. we have a band, we don't have a singer. Oh well, there's Sandy. Let's you know, let's let's ask her. So she joined. She she played at one gig, and then and then we got Chino. You know, you know Chino. Yeah, Chino. Yeah, Chino Vigias. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. We were in the same band. My first band was his, was with him, and that's when, yeah, that's when I. That's when your journey started, and yeah. but but what an what an auspicious start. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I was rehearsing the drums, you know, alone in my room, you know, and, and then you had to, like, you know, meet other like-minded people. You guys had a completely opposite start. You didn't even start playing small gigs. You played in the mothership to thousands of screaming women. Yeah. That's how you started. That's, what the hell, man? That is, like, got to be the most unique frigging beginning ever. Yeah, if you think about it, that would have been my first gig, my first official. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So complete, complete with cheerleaders, Wolf. Like I'm so jealous. <laughs> oh my god! And and to be, and to be, in the first year of college, doing that. I mean, it was such a distraction, dude. <laughs> like, oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. I mean, I mean you know, so. But but it was fun, and then so you know so when when Sandy joined, we we played in a house party. I remember that, and then we played in the fair of Assumption mm. with with another band, a friend of ours. And 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 here this is the one. Uh, the dawn was the the dawn was playing. They were the headline, and we were okay. open for the dawn. So this band's called Hysteria, and it's it's the it's the cheerleading band with the with the Pep Squad vocalist, <laughs> <laughs> and we were good, man. We were good. We were serious. So we we practice all the time. We always practice, um, and we played the the in the auditorium in Assumption High School. I don't know if the college shared the same auditorium, but we played there. So I played in uh and and JB Leonor, the drummer of the Dawn, he always brings his drum set. Yeah. Every wherever he plays, he always brings it. Lucky guy. He has he has uh, a staff to help him. He has roadies. Yeah, he has roadies. Oh, so I got to play on JB's set. And and you know, at the time the Dawn was the number one band. So I'm like, wow, yep. fucking JB set, man. You know. And uh I remember Sweet Child of Mine was still brand new at that time. And we covered it. And so we play some songs. Our, our, our other songs were like Brian Adams, some early 80s stuff. And then, uh, I don't know if you know Edmund Valhagen. You know Edmund, right? Yes, yes, yeah, I know Edmund. We were in the band. We were in the same yeah. band. So he starts playing. And the place. Of an, course, goes nuts. An auditorium full of assumptionistas <laughs> lost their their goddamn minds. <laughs> they lost their goddamn minds that I had a momentary, maybe half a second of deafness. Wow. Because the screech was so loud. Yeah. You know, it's like when you hear a, a, like feedback, like the feedback. Yeah. Yeah, when, no, but when it's like a, a like a really fast flash of feedback, mm. 
and then you're you're ten, you're like for for that second for that millisecond you're like oh wow yeah you, it's like it really pierces your ears right but this was just from human voices man <laughs> it was so it the screech was just so loud and i'm like and then i'm like I'm like animal in 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 the in the Wapecho. So I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, man. Yeah. And then okay, so that led you. I mean, like, okay, playing in front of thousands of screaming girls, you know, not only for your first gig, but then also for your, you know, opening for the dawn. Yeah. Um, and you're getting deeper and deeper into the life of you know the rock and roll the life of a musician um you're drumming and you're having the time of your life um how did wolfgang happen because when wolfgang happened you guys were were you know undeniably such a huge phenomenon when you hit the scene when everybody else discovered you because we knew you guys from the small gigs mm-hmm. you know in the small bars when you guys were still like getting together and figuring shit out And then you just exploded, but I actually really enjoyed the small, um, the small gigs. I remember there's this bar like San Tropez. You remember that bar, Makati Avenue corner? I, I, I actually remember going there I and jamming with you guys. Yeah, you yeah. I, I jammed with you guys. And one thing that I did realize that I, 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 I remember thinking, "Pucha, these guys are crazy because we're playing such a small bar." And they're these guys, you know, like Manoy, and you you're playing like it was a fucking arena already. And it was yeah. a small bar that maybe fit like maybe 75 people. Yeah. But you played like you were in an arena. And that's one thing I really appreciated about you guys. Because you know, you you already parang you were destined for bigger audiences, bigger crowds. And now knowing your your uh your the moment where you sold your soul to rock and roll. That's how you know you're recreating Wembley. You're playing for Wembley. You're playing for the mothership with screaming assumptionistas, you know. But how did Wolfgang um, happen? How did you guys get thrown together? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm agreeing with you with that. I mean, you totally get it, man. I mean, that's that's why I perform the way I perform because in my mind, I'm perf- I am Freddie Mercury at Wembley in Live Aid. Yeah. Every yeah. time you perform, yeah. that's every single time. Yeah. So e- even if there's like five people there, if I see that they're getting off on what's happening, yeah. then am I gonna yeah. drive them of my spirit? No. Yeah. They get it, man. So yeah. anyway, so I, I mean, but 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 although in in my first band, Hysteria, we weren't there was mm. no, we didn't play in any clubs. We were we were innocent kids, man. You know, we were. We didn't know the nightlife. Uh-oh. Yeah, it was mostly like school gigs, fairs. Yeah, just fair. You know, yeah. That that was the that was the that was your circuit. That was I, your circuit. Yeah, because because I do, I didn't have I personally didn't have any older. Uh, how would I say? You know, people who are older than you who who tell you it's like. So don't play in the fair. Play in the club. You know something yeah, like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're. You guys are good. Don't play in these fairs. You play in Club Dread or whatever, or or mm. where, Far in Rain or whatever. You know. Uh, but there was none. You know. The, 
the only idea I had of of live music was concerts. Yeah. So I would only I I got to go to two ultra storms at the time yeah. when Teddy Diaz was still alive. Yes, I remember yeah. that so distinctly, Pare. I was yeah. we were we were tailgating outside in the parking lot and wow. downing bottles of the bar. You remember the bar? Bar, yeah, the bar. We were just guzzling that. I was in like a trench coat. I had um, Elmer's glue for a mohawk. Wow. I was in army boots, eyeliner. Nice. And it was hot. It was hot like shit, but you didn't care because you looked fucking cool. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, you're in, the yeah. ultra the ultra storms were amazing. Actually, the ultra storms, like the first ultra storm was my my first experience being in that collective, you know, audience, being on the receiving end, all but all the tribes of Manila, the tribes of you know, you had the punks, you had the waivers, you had the 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 preppy kids, everybody yeah. went. Yeah, and you were, and then we had to learn how to interact with each other. Yeah, like I was terrified of the punks, the real punks, not yeah, not yeah, like yeah. posers like me, right? But the real punks, yeah, you're like, punks. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, putana, these guys are fucking scary, yeah. you know. Um, and then you had the the preppy, the preppy kids. You had the you know the the, the torn wearing or or Benetton wearing kids, and then you had oh, the yeah. waivers, the rockers. But yeah. we all we all sort of like came together under that one roof and really enjoyed the hell out of this concert. Yeah. And somehow we learned how to interact with each other. And it's such a great microcosm because it's a great example of how, how music can transcend, you know, socioeconomic borders, mm-hmm. walls, yeah. or your, your own personal bubble, your, your small sheltered life. Yes. And we were all just high from that collective experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and <laughs> that was also the first time. <laughs> I think it was the second ultrastone that I went to. I'm not sure what which number, but uh, my friend uh, Twinkie Lagdameo, who was the cousin mm. of Teddy, she's the one who got yeah. this, you know. So she goes, "There's gonna be lasers in the show." <laughs> Game, game, game! We're all excited. Pucha, when we get there, pare, there's this one green laser on, on top. I'm like, okay. Well, she said lasers. <laughs> if she said laser, it would be fine, but we're t- expecting at least two, but there's only one. <laughs> even, even if it was like that was, the, that was the first laser I ever saw, I was like, I was like kind of underwhelmed. It's like, that's it? That's the laser? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but especially when you realize back in the day, how much did that cost for that one little thing? I, oh my God! Can you imagine how much that thing cost back then? Yeah, that must have been what I would I would guess that would what that would have been like twenty grand of of that value that time. Huh? Maybe that's why they that's why they only had one. Right? <laughs> All they can afford, but Yeah, but. So yeah, I mean those those shows, and so so yeah, when when that first group uh, we we kind of dis- dissolved, you know, the interest wasn't there anymore. Uh, some members just didn't want to play, you know. It, it happens mm-hmm. you know, when, you're, when you're young, yeah. you have these things, and then you get older. Then ayoko na mag ayoko na mag bass, ayoko na mag guitar, you know. So for two years, 
I was doing nothing. I was just going to school and being a college kid. And then, who do I meet in college? <laughs> I meet Miguel Ortigas. <laughs> Ayan na. Oh my God. And he had transferred from another school, you know. Uh, and, uh, and, and the thing was, when I was younger... Here's, here's the story. When I was younger, um, during the Live Aid times, that house where I, where I saw Live Aid, that house got, um, got burglarized with me in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had a, I had a knife to my neck. Whoa. Yeah, dude. And, and I had to scour the whole house for money. For anything that these people wanted, you know. So after that incident, my parents were like, "Okay, you're not staying in this house anymore," because my, my family was staying in Iloilo at the time mm. for financial reasons. But I didn't I didn't want to change schools, so I stayed yeah. behind. I stayed behind in Manila, but I had to board in my my mom's friends. My that was my my dad's aunt's house. Okay, so it's okay. like my grand aunt. And so when that incident happened, they said, okay, you're transferring to another place. And it was the grandparents of Miguel, the grandfather of Miguel. Mm. So I lived in that house for maybe two or three years uh, until I got to college. So my Antioch years started there in that house. Yeah. And that's where I first met Miguel and Inyaki and the whole clan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and the whole clan. Literally the whole clan. Literally the whole clan. So every Saturday they would eat there because that's the, the grandparents' house, you know. So every mm. Saturday that would be their reunion lunch. So I met everybody. And at that time, Miguel and Inyaki, they already had long hair. Yeah. And they were huge. <laughs> that's the first time I saw huge white men with long hair. And they had, uh, I think, I think Miguel had an Iron Maiden shirt, and Inyaki had a Judas Priest shirt. Wow! Like, Who are these scary murderers? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here. I'm a 15 year old kid, man, who has who knows nothing of anything. Sheltered 15 year old kid, you know. And I'm like, I don't know these people. They look so scary, but they were the nicest guys. You know, they're, they yeah. were, they were the nicest guys. Yeah. And then they would sneak off because the park, the village park, would be right across the house. So they would go to the park and smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go with them. I, I, they'd start walking out of the house, and then I'd follow them. You know, I was the kid, so I'd be like following. I'm like, no, you stay, stay, stay. <laughs> And then I would I, I would peek out the door and then I would see them you know passing cigarettes and it's like okay, you see boys. <laughs> and then so anyway I met Miguel again in in college, and then we were talking and then I'm I'm, I'm we made cuento uh, you know I played I played drums I used to have a band and he goes yeah I played drums too Miguel goes and I have a band now with my friends, and he goes oh, that's cool, yeah, come. We're, we're jamming on Saturday in my house. Come over and jam with us. So I go, okay. And when I get there, it's, it's you know, it's Razorback. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's Razorback literally starting. Yes. You know, it's it's Miguel. It's the first time I meet Tirso. I'm mm-hmm. first time I meet his brother Junus, who was yes. bass. Who was playing bass, yeah. Playing bass. And the first time I, I meet Dave. Dave was was probably eleven at the time. Eleven. <laughs> yeah, dude. He was eleven years old, David Aguirre, and he already had the Les Paul. His famous brown Les Paul. Of yeah, him. slung slung really low. Slung really low, <laughs> and he was already playing it everywhere he went. He was the guitar was strapped on. That's why David <laughs> so good because he was he had the guitar glued to his body for so long. Yes. So yeah, that's that's when I first met those guys, and of course that's man, history after that, man. Yeah. And then you know, and then so you know, the Razorback that was your gateway, the very first incarnation of Razorback, and that was that was probably a shock because like, hey, you're you're meeting like-minded people, especially people are like big, scary-looking white men with long hair, yeah, right, who ended up like sharing the same interests. And Pucha, these guys are from rock and roll. This is where I want to be. Yeah, exactly. No, I found they, there's this, there's a saying that people say these days. It's like, I found my tribe. Mismo. I found my tribe that day. Well, actually, it was more like your, the tribe found you. Yeah, the, found, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah the, the tribe found me. Yeah. They were just there. I mean, and the thing is, when I, when I got into the room, uh, did, yeah, Tears already was starting to grow his hair. Junos already had long hair. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, these guys have long hair. I'm going to start growing my hair. You know? <laughs> so, so, and, then that, and that was another thing that was great about those times. Everybody had long hair, man. Yes. Yep. Everybody yep. had the commitment to have long hair. Yeah. Dude. I, had, I had long hair down to my waist, man. Yeah, dude, you, and you had nice hair, man. You had nice, you had nice straight hair. I was like, Fuck, yeah, you get that hair, man. Because my hair's <laughs> your hair's cool because my hair's not thick enough, so it's not heavy. So mm. even if it grows long, it'll go up like this. <laughs> I remember, I remember. My my hair's not thick enough for it to drop like yours. Yours was like dropping down. Like God damn it, why can't I have hair like Jamie Wilson, dude? <laughs> Yeah, man. So yeah, but you're so, right. It was such a it was such a commitment. Just the whole idea of being able to grow your hair and committing to growing your hair, mm-hmm. and all the all the judgment you got, you know, about your long hair, uh, you know, how people would stereotype you, how mm-hmm. people would like tease you, or you know, what the hell, what what you know, my parents alone. I still hear my father's voice in my head going, "Hey, get a haircut," you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! And, and such the, a simple thing like that, such a simple thing as growing your hair. It was, but it I, was such. It was so important because it signified, basically, it was our version of like, okay, I found my tribe, and now I'm going to wear my tribe's colors. Yes. And that was the first step. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that was that was the thing, and I I I even remember when Mon Legaspi first joined Wolfgang, he had short hair, and we were already. I mean, we were all right. everyone uh, was Leonard Skinner at that point, you know. <laughs> and so, so I I remember this with I can still see it in my my mind's eye. It's like I turn to him, and I go, "So are you gonna grow your hair?" And he's like, "Tongina, look at that." 
<laughs> he ended up with the longest hair, man. <laughs> yeah. And he ended up with the nicest hair, man. So, you know, so, yeah, I mean, that, and that was another thing that I think gave Razorback, Wolfgang, and even bands like Teeth an edge. Mm-hmm. We all had long hair. Yeah. We were playing rock music with long hair. So people were like, yeah, these guys are the real deal, man. Yeah. They have long hair, <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're, 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 that's, you know, especially if you're a guy growing up high school and then college and then work office, you know, the, the usual thing. The usual life path. The usual life path, you know? And then you see these guys who are like with long hair and playing rock and roll. It's like, ah, I want to do that, but I can't. So I'm going to. Yeah. Support them so that he yes for me, you know. So I guess that was a big thing, you know, the long hair. And but, but you went, you went on to, you know, basically change the face of, you know, um, not only Philippine music, but in particular, like hard rock, fucking original Filipino fucking hard rock, because nobody rocked harder than you guys. I mean, you guys were already playing like you were playing in Wembley in small clubs. So yeah. when yeah. when 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 you guys exploded, and it was almost like a cultural phenomenon when we were, you know, when you would wear your hair as a badge of honor or your tribe's colors, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden people started getting the idea um, that hey, it was okay, naman pala to do that. I can be on this life path, like you know, going to the office and having a nine to five job, but I can still grow my hair, but I keep it ponytailed. But when I yeah. go to a Wolfgang gig, that would be the opportunity to literally let my hair down. Yeah. You know? And be, and be with the tribe. And be with the tribe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there there were people like that, man. I mean, there yeah. were people, I remember people would be coming to the show still in their office attires. Like, Gahan, exactly. Exactly. Over time, it's like, shit, I didn't want to go home. Oh. So... And yeah, and and you're right. When we had a lot of, I mean, our stint in Weekends Live was three years, man. Yeah. Every Friday for three years. If you don't yeah. get good, I don't know. Then <laughs> if you don't get good in three years every week. No, you disband. You you quit, man. You you get that office job, you know. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so that's why when we when we started uh, coming out and playing uh, all these, we started playing outside, like Bulacan mm-hmm. and then uh, Cavite. You're right outside the city, city, you know. Or even even Las Piñas was already far. Yeah. You know? I remember our, one of our early gigs was in a basketball court, a neighborhood basketball court in Las Piñas. And I even moshed with the with the crowd because I was like, you know, I, I used to, I like moshing before, you know, and it was st- I still could hack it. And <laughs> it was funny. They, I would go inside the mosh pit, start moshing, and then people would notice, hey, you're the drummer of that band. <laughs> you know, they'd be, they'd be shocked. Like, okay, well, boom, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd hit back. But, you know, <clears throat> that was the, I remember that. And I have pictures of that and if you see the pictures of me, I had long hair. It's like if it's like I was playing in Wembley because my hair is all over the place, like you know. And I have this my my drumming face, and it's like 
there was probably what 30 people in there in the audience. <laughs> but it was just that. It's like you're you're in that mindset of living your dream every time you play in a stage. You're living your yeah. dream. Yeah. So why not imagine that you're in Wembley Stadium? And and then the thing is when people see that, that you're sincere and you're and you're rocking out sincerely, yeah. They don't have any more choice but to surrender. Yes. I agree. It's either surrender or just go, go home. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's the beauty of it because you guys were you were you were truly rocking out very honestly, very passionately. And you basically took no prisoners whenever you guys went out. And that was something um, back, back then, that was something unheard of. Because everybody would either cater to, okay, uh, the corporate sponsors, or okay, this, this, it's a more sedate crowd, so we have to tone it down. You guys did the opposite. Oh, you're a sedate crowd? We're going to play even fucking harder and louder. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I really enjoyed because you were doing these you were doing this on your own terms. And you were doing this the only way you knew how. And which is like take no prisoners, no holds barred, and you know, don't save anything for the trip home. I'm gonna leave like my fucking blood, sweat, and tears on the floor or on the drum set or in the sticks. Yeah. And and that that I think is what made you guys so unique and so powerful in a sense because you took us along on that ride. And I remember even going home afterwards, you know, after like my ears are ringing and I'm all sweaty and I'm like, wow, that was a really fucking, you know, hard rocking concert. And I remember thinking if these guys can do that and take no prisoners and do things on their own terms, then I would start identifying some aspects in my life where, hey, maybe I can do that too. I don't have to follow the traditional life path. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, you know, cater to to certain things that I have to, you know, compromise. Maybe I can do a no holds barred in some areas of my life. Mm-hmm. And that was the transformation with people who were exposed to that energy that you guys were throwing out, that music was throwing out. You made them you I'm one of them. You made me consider certain things na parang, what na Jamie? What? You know, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna compromise and only give fifty percent? Mm-hmm. Or you're gonna say you're gonna you're gonna tone it down because you're being told to tone it down? Fuck that shit. Because look at these guys. You know, people were literally telling you to tone it down. I remember yeah. like Tanod's gathering because you know Nagkakagulo one town over because you guys were playing so loud and you guys didn't give a shit. And that basically rallied everybody who would watch you, who would be exposed to that energy and that attitude. And they took it home. Yeah. And that started out, you know, that, that, that's one way to start a revolution, Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? really is. I mean, I mean if, if Wolfgang had an actual message or an agenda, more likely, yeah. he would have accomplished that agenda because we were so influential, <laughs> man. But I think, yeah, but you're right. It, it's really the, and, and the word that you used is really the, the word, the attitude. Is, uh, it's that no holds barred because I think Filipinos, yes, we are reserved people because we're, we have manners. That's why. Yes. 
yes. know, we're taught manners and yes uh, but there is that Filipinos have that fire mm -hmm. you know it, it 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 we we see we always see that fire but in a violent form you know what i mean it's always yeah. away it's always macho yeah. it's always yeah. Yeah, not it's always negative yes so when so when bands like wolfgang and racerback had that energy that attitude of simply lang pero rock mm. you know we're just simple people we're not you know we're not we don't have yachts we don't have planes we don't have rolex or whatever you know we're just simple guys that like to play rock music yeah and so the audience is like they 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 you guys you see that it's like okay these guys are simple i mean it's the same thing it's like when i see metallica these guys are simple guys yeah i mean they're metallica but none of these guys own yachts they don't yeah. kirk hammett owns a ranch yeah great because he likes horses yeah, none of the Lars Ulrich has a has a, a, a an enormous art uh, collection, but none of them, yeah. nobody has yachts in Metallica, you know, stuff like that, because they're just simple people, you know. Yeah. I so, think the simplicity, the the simple guys, going back to what you said, the simple guys who love to play rock. Um, I think it was not just the attitude of the no holds barred, but it was also the authenticity mm -hmm. of the no holds barred. Yeah. Like the, this attitude that was coming from you and from Razorback and you know our brethren mm -hmm. was honest. It was pure. It wasn't put on. It wasn't you know posing and preening and putting on this. Oh, I'm a rebel. No, you guys were just doing what you wanted to do and taking it to a hundred percent. Yeah. And that authenticity, I think, is what really resonated. Yeah. With a hell of a lot of people, because you you guys were the real deal, and that's I think you know more important than anything else. The long hair, the I don't own a yacht or roll access or anything like that. It was the authenticity mm. of you playing, and you loving to play, yeah. and you taking no prisoners when you play yeah. because you don't know you know fuck. It's such a privilege to be able to play. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm like in, in, in your, in your perspective, I'm fucking lucky to do this. I'm in the drummer's seat. We have a gig. I'm going to play like it's fucking Wembley. Yeah. And yeah, I get, I get to do that every time I play live. Diba? Yeah, I get. And the, the I, sheer enjoyment of it was fantastic. Yeah, the sheer enjoyment, the sheer enjoyment of hearing, like if the room that I'm playing in sounds good, you know yeah. what I mean? And the drums are just breathing really well. You know, it's not you're not hitting hard. You know, you you can hear the, you can hear the the amps perfectly because the room is nice. Just yeah. the simplest, the simple fact that it's like that. I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. sarap. You know, I'm I'm, I'm 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 getting orgasmic just because the sound is nice. You know, the the sound that the band's generating on this particular stage in this particular room is nice. I'm already getting off on that. Yeah. You know, so that's how so, that, so everything else, everything else is everything else. Everything else is icing. Oh, everything you know else I mean? is, is a bonus. Yeah, everything, everything else is a bonus. Really bonus. That's why when you that's why when you have a when you I'm I know you know this feeling, you know, or or when you uh when you when you play a gig with a band and the band is like 
really like 100% like locked in. Yeah. And then when you get off, you're like, you feel like you're Superman, you know? You yeah. Feel like, Let's take all the drugs right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can take it. <laughs> yeah, I can. You know, you know so no, but you know, you feel powerful because, yeah, because of that. Um, <clears throat> you already, your, <clears throat> your expectations, your simple expectations have, have been met already early on the gig. So every time you get uh, a dopamine, dopamine rush. Every time uh, you know you hit the last note, bam, and then rah, yeah, yeah, that's the dope. That's a rush right there. So every song you get this rush by the by the end of the set, you're like full of dopamine. You're like, yeah. I mean, there's nothing better, man. I yeah, really there's nothing. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like that adrenaline rush. All your all your all your synapses are firing, and you're like you're on fire, basically. You're on and fire. Yeah, and it's like almost yeah. Since you're saying you're on fire, it's almost almost ecstasy, because ecstasy is fire. You know when you're, you know, in the Bible when they yeah. say they're in ecstasy, they're on fire. You know. Yeah, yeah. That feeling is almost like that. It's almost total total happiness. Happiness. I mean, I guess for me. I mean, you know what? There, there have been instances on stage where I've gotten to Zen happiness. Like, mm. this is as happy as it gets. You yeah. know? Wow. I mean, we're lucky, man. We're lucky. I think. Yeah, that's... we're we're very we're very lucky to be able to do what we love to do, enjoy yeah. what we love to do, and then you know, people enjoying us doing our thing. Like oh. you said, that's a that's a bonus. Be welcome, welcome to the tribe, guys. Welcome to the tribe. Oh my God! Yeah, you know? oh my God! The, the feeling of of getting of of getting new—that's the thing that was great about those three years in Weekends Live. We started with nobody, and then people yeah. would gradually come and gradually come and gradually yeah. come. And then I here's one story that's funny. My parents, uh, my my uh, my. My grand aunt and uncle from San Diego were visiting Manila. And so my parents were like, they brought them out to dinner. That was a Friday night because we were playing in weekends. And they go, uh, before going home, they go, oh, Leslie's playing down the street in Atrium. <laughs> in Atrium, Makati. In Atrium. Because they were probably they were probably in Makati. They had dinner in Makati, in Makati. So, oh, before we go home, why don't we check out Leslie's show? He's playing right now. They're in in weekends in Atrium Weekends Live. And this is the height. This is the peak of Weekends Live, man. So they get into the lobby of of Atrium, and you know there are people hanging out. You know, drinking outside. I don't know if there were people puking in the plants already. But, oh, most uh, probably. Most probably. <laughs> so what happens? But because they, they, my, 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 my parents told me this the next day. So they, so when they go up to the stairs, there's a doorman. He opens a door. When they go in, though, it's, it's red from the lights. You know the, yeah, the stage lights. It's red. It's full of cigarette smoke. It's just cigarette smoke. It's a gas chamber inside, and it's walled. It's uh, people on the walls. Yeah, it's the walls are lined with people because it's so full. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. standing on the walls already. 
So my, what my parents, they, they go inside and they see that and they're like, they turn around and my, my, my grand uncle and aunt are not even inside. They're like, no, 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 no. We're going home. <laughs> <laughs> they probably said, it's hell. Let's go. Let's go. No, no, no. We're not, we're not, no. They turned around and they left. It's like, no, 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 we're not, we're not, we're not going in there. <laughs> oh my God. So, so that's yeah. a great, that's a, that's a great, that's a funny story. I mean, if my dad ever ventured forth to go to any of those places, like hunting for me, he'd be like, oh, what the hell is my son up to? Oh. <laughs> why is he hanging out here? And yeah, then, that's why I got, that's why I got so much crap for like being in, you know, why are you hanging out? and singing with that combo you know what the hell you know all these long-haired addicts you know what i mean oh. i'm like dad you know it's good music you know these are how the gigs are and especially because my dad was um in makati politics when atrium was busting out i mm. actually remember encountering um because atrium would get so full and then yeah you had people puking in the bushes puking in the driveway yeah. You know, making out, you know, yeah. park ca cars were haphazardly parked and all that. So they had actual, uh, like, a police presence had to be put into place. And I remember yeah. seeing some of my dad's people, right. you know, they would see me, I would see them, we would lock eyes, and I'm like, <laughs> Don't don't tell daddy I was here. I was never here. Huling <laughs> huli. Oh, because I wasn't even supposed to be out. I made takas from the house. Oh you know? my god, that's good, man. That's, but I that was know. like, but those were though that scene, like especially the nineties, man. The, the our scene and the way it was happening, it was like the wild, wild west. Oh man. But man. but in a good way. But in I a good way. I don't know why nobody has produced or tried to even do a film. Or even just a film about it, you know, about anything. I, I don't know. Because maybe... that that was that was like I mean, if you had a, a golden age in that sense, or or the good old days, that was it. I mean, you could still smoke indoors. You could order, you know, as many drinks as you want. And somehow, somehow, mm -hmm. I mean, no matter how fucked up I got in weekends life, no matter who I hooked up with. Or which 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 group I, I I fell in with, you know, getting kidnapped here and there, enjoying the bands. We always all got home safe. Yeah. Well, I mean we we made it back home. I mean, yeah. like not necessarily like in great mental condition uh, because yeah, we yeah, yeah, up, yeah. but yeah. we got home. I know. know. That's that's actually that's actually a commendable thing. Well, not Miguel. Miguel well, <laughs> that's a special case. Yes. <laughs> that's a special case. <laughs> I, it was so funny because, uh, well, not funny for him because he got injured. But yeah, in one of his accidents, um, I had to sub for him in Razorback. Yes, yeah. So there were, I think, I think three weeks, I, at least three weeks of me playing with Razorback. So those those are fun, man. So yeah, and and. I mean, and that was just in our side of the city, and then yeah. there was the whole other side, this whole yeah. this whole other planet that you know that I didn't even know knew existed, you know, um, because it was in in the other side of town. So yeah, it was, a, it was a it was it was the Quezon City crowd. 
Yeah, Quezon City Club, and, and then, you know, and then, of course, Quezon City, Makati, whatever. You know, there's a rivalry there that I didn't even know about. It's like, what? They don't, what? They don't like us? Why don't they like us? We yeah, like why, why don't, yeah, we're not doing anything. Yeah, we're just, you know, we're just playing. Yeah. And then I remember even the first time we played in Club Dread, but it, this was already Club Dread in Edza. Oh. I was very, I was nervous to play in Club Dread for the first time because... I was under the impression that these people hated our guts, you know, mm. because we were from Makati, you know. Uh, but the opposite happened. They were all cool. Yeah. You know, everyone was cool. They were, yeah. actually, uh, they were actually cooler than people from Makati. <laughs> <laughs> True. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, and so, I think that's what, then that, when that started happening, Wolf, um, mm. you know, because there was a, there was a whole world in Kansas City. There was a whole world in Makati. Mm-hmm. And usually we go where we're comfortable, where our barcada is, where we know the galaw. Yeah. And then when 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 groups started crossing to other areas and seeing what was going on, it was a collective like, oh pare, it's not so bad here. Except the yeah. Kansas City people always rarely ventured into Makati for the simple reason. Because, I mean, they knew the music was good, the crowd was cool, mm. you know, the girls were pretty. But mm. unfortunately, mas mahal yung beer sa Makati. Ah. Kaisa, sa, sa, kaisa sa Quezon City. Right. And when, yeah. we, when we found out, when I personally found out that this was happening in Quezon City, I would venture to Quezon City and I was amazed because my usual small budget of, you know, what I would allot for drinks was almost double because... Which I like Quezon City. Ang mura ng beer, pare. Ang ng beer, yeah. Oh. And, you know, the crowd was cool. The girls were pretty. The music was great. Yeah. And you were discovering... Um, you were discovering the same scene, but in a different way. And that's when all of a sudden, like, the big, you know... You realize pala that there's more pala of my tribe. Pagtawid ko ng Shaw Boulevard. Or pagtawid ko ng Ortigas. Yeah, and they and they learned exactly the same thing too exactly. when they yeah. would make tawid, and yeah. that's that just grew the scene exponentially, and it, it just actually, blew up. It actually united the scene. Yes, it united it, and then I mean, it united it so much that some of the crowds of each scene didn't like it. You know, what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It happened so fast that oh, some of them were not ready for it. Yeah. It's like Agreed. oh, you know, it's like metal kame pare, hindi kami metal. Mm. You know, uh. but, but the thing was the, the vibe that I was getting, it's like it's like we're too we're not a lot of people, man. Yeah. So whatever we can get, let's just band together, man. Exactly. Exactly. Even if we don't really dig each other's music, yeah. Let's not yeah, let's not disrespect each other, you know. I remember, I remember talking to some guys in Club Dread on Edsa um, mm. that we almost parang nakainitang kami, and tempers were flaring, and then we almost got into a fight. And then sila Patrick were like, "Wait, wait, wait, not here, mm. you know. Step outside and talk it out, you know. No, mm. no trouble on on the premises." And then when we got outside, there were all these cops nakaabang na. 
you know, in their in their cars and you oh, know, right, naka, right. nakaabang na with all these long hairs coming out and all that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. turned and I turned to the guy that I almost got into a fight with. I, I, for the life of me, I don't think I've ever seen him again. I don't remember his name. <laughs> yeah. But I told him, alam bakit tayo nag-aaway? You know? Because, you know, the cops hate all of us collectively. Yeah. No matter exactly. whether you're from the Makati crowd, whether you're metal, whether you're hard rock, whether you're from, you know, Dread or Kalye, the cops just collect- collectively hate us all. Yeah. So why don't we just go back inside and have a drink? Because I don't want to hang out here with all the fucking cops. Yeah. And then we, and the guy just laughed. Oh, no. And yeah. we went inside, had a couple of fucking beers, and enjoyed the rest of the night. Like you were saying, there were so few of us. Yeah. So why, why should the tribe be fighting amongst themselves when there are so many other forces against us? Exactly, man. You know? Exactly. And of course, those cops were just waiting for you guys to fight. And then, exactly. and then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Swoop right in. And yeah. That's, and that's what it. Else, it. And then what else could they have done to you? They plant drugs on you while, you, while they're at it, you know? Yeah. Shit, you know, so yeah. yeah. I mean, looking back at that time, it was it was it was amazing, man. It was such I mean, I feel really fortunate that I got to experience a rock and roll world. Yes. You know, to be in the in the midst of a rock and roll world, man. Because I mean, here in the States, you, you see all these. Well now, well now, of course, Netflix. Everybody gets to see all these documentaries, no? Yeah. If if you take time to watch them, like especially the New York ones, when when punk came out, mm-hmm. when punk came out, seventy seven punk, disco, and rap and and uh, hip hop, they all parang they didn't start, but they blew up at the same time in nineteen seventy seven. Before yeah. it was all underground, but 77, that's when they all went boom at the same time in New York. Can you imagine that punk music here? Uh hip hop music here, disco here. It's like ah. but if you yeah. think about it, in 1995 in Manila, you had the reggae crowd over here, you had the mm-hmm. over here, you had the metal heads over here, you had the freaking I don't know who else, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's so true. I and mean, things had... were popping up and things were blowing up, and I then all of it, you know, and they would, and it was no longer. It got to a point where you know, like you were saying in weekends live when you started playing there and there was nobody, mm. and then eventually there were people who were lining the walls because it was so full and there were more people even outside. Yeah, right. It broke the surface, and it broke the surface so fast that we didn't realize that. We, we're not underground anymore. We're corporate sponsors are knocking on our door. Yeah. We're, you know, uh, the bands that uh, used to play in the small clubs are being invited to play on noontime shows. Yeah. And oh all of a sudden, we're yeah. like, wait, we That's broke, we broke through the commercial barrier. Yeah. Diba? And not, and not play, but lip sync. Well, well, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Lip sync. Lip sync. <laughs> oh my God. There's another. Oh, here. This is what we used to do. I don't know if you ever saw one, but there was that time when when bands would be on noontime shows. Yep. And, and there, most of the time, the only time we really played live on noontime was GMA Super Show. 
because it was a, it was GMA Super Show day. So Super Show is like a four hour show, right? It's yeah. from noon or from eleven to three, I think. Eleven to three, yeah. Yeah, eleven to three. So they have the budget for you know have live music and all of that. Whereas an, a regular noontime show, one hour at noontime, walang budget. So you have to lip sync. So there's the drum set there that's that's hardly set up, you know. It, 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 it was just props, pare. It, it was, was all just, just props. It was just put by the whoever delivered it, put it there, then didn't even bother to. Uh, so me, I'm like, we get there, I'm like, oh, shit, we're here. So the rebel rock and roll spirit comes out again. It's like, we're not going to fucking do this bullshit. So once they started playing, I don't know if it was... Halik ni Judas. I forget what song. We start switching instruments, man. <laughs> and they can't stop. It's live. They can't stop. It's live. It's live. So I get up on the drum set and then Mon takes off the bass. I get the bass guitar. He gets on the drum set, starts playing whatever. And then the two, you know, and then I don't think Basti, Basti just stays, but the three of us start messing around. Switching around behind him, yeah. Because we were like, Tangina, how stupid are people gonna are they really gonna believe that we're actually playing? We can't have this anymore. We have to stop this madness. So we <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like when uh in uh in the movie Tommy of the Who, mm-hmm. when when the when the mom tries to snap Tommy out of it, she breaks the, the mirror. That's what we did with the lip syncing yes. time shows, man. And we we were not yeah. the only ones. Teeth did it, I think. Also, mm-hmm. Razorback did it too. Yeah, dude, we we did it. We did it when June Lupita released his Bodhisattvas album. Uh-huh. Um, we were invited to play for a PBA halftime um, show. Yeah, which of I course was playback that. because we were playing on the court. Yeah. We were playing on the court. So, to, of course, it was lip sync. It was playback and all that. And we were just, you know, that, that rock and roll rebel, right? And it's like, let's let's just mess around because, really, it. what can they do? You know, they can't <laughs> stop us. It's live. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're in between the games. And this is not even like entertainment, uh, the entertainment crowd. These are sports fans who are watching the basketball game. Yeah. And June and June Lupito is a big like he's a big fan of basketball. Oh, yeah, like, he yeah. loves he loves basketball, right? loves basketball So we yeah. played we played Pure Souls um on uh, for the PBA halftime. It was playback. I was I was like acting like his backup singer with a tambourine and shit. And then for the guitar solo, okay. The guitarist, you know, so he see he lip syncs the 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 first refrain, and we go into the chorus, and then that that guitar solo is coming in right before the guitar solo comes in. June starts walking forward and leaving the the area of the band. Okay, which of course he could because none of us were plugged in. Walang table, props lang yung guitar, di ba? And he goes to the janitor. All right, the you know the guy sweeping and all that the the court onto the side. Yeah. And he gives him the guitar and he gets the walise. <laughs> and, and he plays the guitar solo as the playback is playing on the walise. And I'm there trying not to crack up because I'm like, Tang Inang Junyan, diba? And then he doesn't stop there. So he gives back the walise and the guy's trying to give him back the guitar. Uh-huh. And Jun says, Wait long. He does this. Wait long, wait long. He picks up a basketball that was by the guy's feet. 
And I'm thinking, and I already knew what he was going to do. This is June's, like, dream come true. Oh, He's on the fucking PBA court. He yeah. loves playing basketball. So he gets the ball. He starts dribbling. And, you know, he's, he's about to, he has to come back and sing again, right? Because the guitar solo and the saxophone solo is ending. So he has to stop. And he shoots a perfect three fucking pointer. Oh, my God. The ball goes in. He runs back to get his guitar. He puts on his guitar and continues to lip sync. Oh, my and God. And I'm like, that's got to be the best halftime show I've oh ever seen. Oh, my God, dude. It you was perfect. To- and the look, on, the look on June's face, like, parang tang ina three points to the PBA fucking court. Pare, shit, diba? This is worth the lip syncing. <laughs> oh my God, that is the best, man. That's the Amazing. best story, dude. What, did the, did the crowd freak out when he, when he made the shot? They were, they were screaming. No, they were already screaming when he got the Wallis. <laughs> They were like, wow, puta, ayo. Parang they thought baka ba comedy to. Because we started, yeah, yeah. we all looked so serious, di ba? Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. comedy pala to. And then, dude, when when that when that ball came in, when that, that you could hear the swish. Oh, my puta, God. People, people got up on their feet. Oh they were like, God. wow, man, ayo. And June just like, yeah, yeah. baby. You know? <laughs> oh, but that, 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 that was the beauty of that time. Um, we could do shit like that, have our fun, get away with it, get away with you know, it, and not compromise on you know, um, you know the that 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 rock and roll rebellious attitude for us. It came out as yeah, we were rebelling against the establishment, but we were still having having fun, um, our fun. Yeah. It was still in in a sense and spirit of fun. It wasn't galette. Yeah. It wasn't angry. It yeah. wasn't, oh, I'm going to kick these drums off. No, I'm going to make a fucking three-point shot. <laughs> yeah, you know? Three-point shot. And he made the right? shot. Oh, my God. Diba? And that was the beauty of that, that period of time where it was a combination of we were, we were testing the boundaries. We were pushing the limits a little bit. But we were getting away with it because I think that sense of fun, that sense of this is rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You know, how more rock and roll can you get by playing – you know, uh, to lip syncing or playing the guitar solo of a playback on a Wallis. <laughs> you know, on a Wallis. Well, yeah, and, yeah. And 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 the fun, the funny thing is, like when when it really blew up, when it became a commercialized um, endeavor, when corporate sponsors and all these companies were thinking, wait, there's a crowd, there's money to be made, and they come in and they support our scene. And we're like, holy shit, man. We're getting treated like VIPs, like kings. Like, oh, I don't have to lug my own gear anymore. Yeah. You know? And it was, it was such a strange reaction when, when you've been a rebel all your life and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm accepted? Now what? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, do I re- how do I rebel against this? We have now become the establishment. Oh, the no. Establishment. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? You know what? I think because the Philippines at the time or the scene at the time wasn't connected to America yes. much. So we still had our own mentality that even though we were big, we were, everyone's getting successful. I'm, I'm, and I'm 
I'm going to accept some people from this, but most of the <laughs> musicians stayed humble, you know? Yes. Yeah. One really, That's true. I mean, here and there you had, you know, people who her their heads got a little big for their own good. I mean, me, me included, you know, later on, but most of the time, you know, it was still about the music, you know, mm -hmm. the bands were still putting out good albums. <sighs> They were still selling albums, you know. Yeah. So it wasn't a fluke, you know. It wasn't. Uh, it yeah, wasn't it, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a trend. It wasn't it a trend. Wasn't, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was coming from an honest place, it, mm -hmm. and yeah, like you said, the music was good, the gigs were good, and it seemed like the rest of the world got on, like uh, the rest of our little world here yeah. in Manila yeah, yeah. got yeah. on. Yeah. And and it was quite a wild ride. And then you know what's funny is you know we're coming up we're coming up to like you know an hour forty five and there's so many more things that I want to talk about, mm. but you know at the height of it all, Wolf, what amazes me is that I'm I'm saying I'm I'm talking about how the hell do we rebel against this? How the hell do we now that we're established now what you know you um you up and moved to the U.S. Mm. left all that you know all that behind you know the the privilege the the success the you know and you had to start from scratch yeah and you know a lot of people at the time we were wondering okay so that's not uh, that's not a uh, um too far fetched a life path where people we, a lot of people we know immigrate you know they emigrate they go to another country it's greener pastures etc but these people are looking for something better it was funny because you were at the top. Yeah. And you now found yourself starting from scratch in the US where, you know, you had to lug your own drums again. There's pay to play. There's, you know, all it's a completely different system. How was that going from then to the next? Like, right. well, I mean, it wasn't at, it wasn't as hard as you would think it would be because once Wolfgang had ended, I immediately, I'm the, I'm, I, cause I'm the kind of person I've evolved into a kind of person that doesn't dwell on if something's done and it's done and it's really done, then it's done. Okay. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on it. I I, I, yeah. I try to put my mindset forward. Yeah. Because that then I avoid, you know, you avoid depression, you avoid anxiety and all of that because that thing's done already. You can't worry yeah. about the thing that's done. You can you have no yeah. power over it. What you do have power it over is your future, is your next step. Yeah. So even before I came here to the States, I when I physically came. Uh, Wolfgang was already done for months and we were already doing, I don't know if you remember Spectrum, we did the thing with Dave, it was just yes. the band, you know, with Dave and Manuel playing guitar and Mon and me and um, you know uh, Basti had moved here to the States, he decided to move here and stay here and get married here. So we we're like, well, yeah, shit, what do I do now? So now what? Yeah. Now what? It's like now what? Um, the thing is, 
the goal of Wolfgang, if it weren't for 9-11, was to come here to the States anyway. That was the goal of any band, I think. It's like, yeah, the States. Of any band in the world, it's the States. It's really the yeah, States. Yeah, it's the States. I, I want to play Madison Square Garden. Yeah, you know? it's, if you make it in the States, then you're, you're worldwide, you know? It's like that. So, so my mind was always here. My mind was always to, to try here. I yeah. have to at least try and do it. Yeah. So I already made, made, made my mind up. Okay, well, I don't Wolfgang. I have no power over that. So I have to move forward. So I remember even telling Tirso, we were in cable car. And he asked me the same thing. He actually asked me the same thing. It's like, dude, you're a rock star. You're going to go there. What are you going to do? I go, I'm going to start from zero. I'm going to go where nobody knows who I am. And I'm going to try and do it like that. Yeah. Because if I do it, if I try and do it, by using my name, then I'm not going to get anywhere because there's yeah. no one here who knows my name. Maybe a yeah. couple of fans here and there, but what are they going to do? Yeah. They have a selfie with me and that's it. So I'm like, I even told Tears, I was like, yeah, I have to go. I'm going to go there, start fresh. I'm going to sell my drum set in Manila, buy a new drum set there and just do it the way they, they do it and see how yeah. far I can go. Yeah. And the, but, of course, easier said than done. But fortunately, um, my 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 folks uh, invested in property here. So at that time, we already had the house here. So it wasn't it wasn't um, hard to move. Mm. It mm. was just a matter of moving. Yeah, and deciding to leave the Philippines and move here. Yeah, I mean, when I was here, it, the next time I came back to the Philippines was 2006. So that was four years, and in those four years, <clears throat> I refused to accept uh, being an American or whatever of of living here. Mm. Meaning, I would just go to Tower Records, hang out there, go back home you know, do the band stuff and not really go out and live, yeah. you know, and, 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 yeah, and, and live and live the life as it was done there. Yeah. As, as, as a Californian, as a, as, as yeah. a yeah. person, you know, and, um, and I would just stay in my room and not socialize with anybody and not discover the culture and not learn the culture so it was it was only in the past maybe 12 years 10, 10 12 years that i really accepted being an american where now i really give a shit you know yeah mm -hmm. if you see my post in my political post would be either from yeah. american politics or philippine politics because i'm a citizen yeah. of both so it's like yeah. fuck man so and it's it's a blessing and a curse because now i am a citizen of the states i have accepted it with all its ills and its privilege so mm. and and the privilege is is a lot so that's 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 a big thing but you know i started i started from scratch and it the thing is once when you when you put your mind to it it's not hard because yeah. i put my mind to it that i'm nobody i had to reset i was like i'm nobody i'm not wolf hemora here who the fuck is wolf hemora 
you know? So that's when I started, uh, you know, um, looking for bands. And then you put, you put an ad in, in the, in the, in the local uh, wanted ads uh, magazine, you know, what you Uh have to do to form a band, you know, you do that. So I did everything. And then I, I hooked up with these bands before hooking up with with Danny and and of of the the locomotive guys. I I would audition with I auditioned for three other bands. <laughs> and the, and then by the second one different days no the second one I'm like tang ina mga to si kayo nag audition para sa akin tang ina. <laughs> you know that was my thing because I would like okay I don't know but then when I would see this bands, like you know what, I gotta, I got this is not as easy as I, I'm, as it sounds. You know, I can't mm. because the first band that I auditioned for, they were all good players, and then we start, oh, just play anything, and then we'll start. So I started playing a simple beat, and then whatever they were playing, it was just weird. I'm like what the fuck is that? <laughs> man, I'm wasting my time with these fuckers, man. And then second band, same thing, and then finally I meet Danny and and. James, and then we play, and then they already have riffs. Danny mm-hmm. has all these riffs, and it's all these rock and roll, Thin Lizzy style riffs. Yeah. And then he goes, "Yeah, I love Thin Lizzy. We love Thin Lizzy." So like, oh, I found my tribe. <laughs> there we go. And again, there we go. Because the the other musicians I was playing with before them. They were I, I don't know who their influences were. They were uh, they were younger than me, so it was probably like Evanescence and all that. I'm like, fuck that mm. shit, man. I mean, yeah. no, 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 no disrespect to the band Evanescence, but that's not my thing. It so, wasn't yeah, yeah, it's not your thing. Not my thing. So when these guys came in and we were and they uh, so this is oh show me the riffs. Okay, here, this is a riff. It was ride with me. Right away, I'm like, that's a Razorback riff. You know? So, and I go, okay, I found my tribe. This is These are the people that I have to start hanging out with and then branch out from there. So, I mean, it's... So, the path the path of, the path of, like, you starting from scratch... And going out to audition for bands because yeah, you're you're back you're back to square one, mm-hmm. and you gotta you know like you said put those ads or answer those ads. That, hey, looking for a drummer? Okay, you're gonna show up. Yeah. And when you find your tribe, you know, locomotive was I mean like that fucking like like the name implies that was a runaway fucking freight train. Yeah. Um. And and then you transition to three headed dog. Yeah. Um, which was which was another iteration. Um, now as a trio, um, doing edgier, more punky stuff. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I noticed because I saw you in your incarnation in locomotive, like post Wolfgang, locomotive. Um, we had a lot of friggin' fun. <laughs> when I, oh, man, you know, man. we had a lot of fun. And then when three headed dog came, and then you know, Dave had to step up and be the main vocalist. It was even tighter because there was only three of you. Yeah, you know, and edgier stuff. Um, I think it became like if if locomotive was a runaway freight train of rock and roll, um, three headed dog became, you know, the 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 sharper, but broken glass cousin of locomotive. 
it was edgier, it was sharper, it was tighter. Yeah, you know, um, it, and it the, the the punk sensibilities came more to the forefront. Yeah, and it was it was a great energy again. But really, the way you were playing Wolf is really you were still in friggin' um, Wembley. Yeah, it's, it's, and and then and then a few days ago, I listened to your latest uh, incarnation with the melodies. Yeah, uh-huh. and and you know, I did not expect it to be a reggae song, right? But what I think I love about um, Laman, uh, your new single, what I loved about it is that it's it's a reggae song. It it tricks you into thinking it's a reggae song, mm-hmm. and then you come in on the drums. And it's fucking Wembley. It's fucking Wembley again. It's Wembley. You yeah. know what I mean? And but this time though, this time though, it's it's a very clever, unexpected pairing. I mean, I've been reading a lot about how you call yourselves lounge punk. Mm. And never <laughs> no. in my life did I think those two words would ever come together to describe a musical um, you know, uh, direction. Yeah. And it really was lounge punk. If you listen to Laman, it, it, there's there's the floating ethereal vocals. Mm-hmm. You're playing like you're in Wembley. You know, you're in the lounge and then you burn it down. Yeah, yeah. You know, with that song, and it was it it's so unexpected, um, and especially the combination of you guys. Uh, it's not something that you would logically or ordinarily think. Oh, this guy can play with this guy. It wasn't the pairing of like, yeah, it makes perfect sense for yeah. a Dave Aguirre to play with a Tears or a Paul to play with a Danny. You know what I mean? That yeah. sort of I can I can I can contact trace that that logic. Yeah. But when you guys got together with you know Bowie, Robin, and Melody, I was like, what? How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> yeah. What? I but mean, we're... the song, but the song is a testament of like. Yeah, man, you can put this shit together and come up with something new. And that's what that's what amazed me about Laman. It totally caught me off guard. And then you set me on fire. <laughs> <laughs> like the Kogon Huts in Polo Club. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're, you're, you're expecting to have like, you know, um, maybe like cheese sandwiches and tea. And then all of a sudden there's a fucking fire, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the yeah, this this band is quite interesting. Um it was it was it was actually Bowie's idea to mm. get us all together. Um I don't know how exactly how he thought, but uh I already knew Melody was here. She had already ha- she was like me, she had two other bands that she had uh, been in, and and then and then and then yeah, and then Bowie just goes, um, you wanna you wanna jam with Mel? Oh no, this because uh, pre-pandemic, Nino Mendoza came here and did a Blue Jean Junkie tour. Yeah, and then me, me and Bowie were the rhythm section for the tour, and there was one gig that we did. Here in Los Angeles, in the Valley, and I think Melody got wind of it and said, "You know, pajam naman, you know, because Melody, being a musician, you cannot, you cannot put, you know, keep a musician down if she knows yeah. that there's 
there's a gig happening. It's like, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh? So she, so we go, yeah, let's do. And then Bowie had this song in mind that we could do, and it. And check this out, uh, when you when when you have time, it's the version of "Whole Lot of Love" by Ike and Tina Turner. I don't mm. know yes, I've heard that. Came out on the yeah. uh, in the movie Cruella. Yes, but it's a really groovy thing. So we did that, and she sang on that 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 that. So that was the first time that we played together in that Blue Jean Junkies um, gig. So after that, I think I think she got to talking with Bowie and she and she said that I have these songs that I've written so many songs. You, if you guys want to hear them, so Bowie goes, "Yeah, let's let's do this." So we meet with Melody in Anaheim in this park. This 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 park and then she has an, a, a mini acoustic guitar and she's playing song after song after song and of course Laman is one of them you know it's bare bones raw you know acoustic guitar reggae song and song after song after song I'm like oh 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 what what so she pretty much showed us like seven or eight songs that were already there the skeleton was there yeah I'm like okay I'm in man I'm in you know and then I just had to I had to tell him it's like we'll work on this, but I I can't put my heart into this just yet because I've done this twice mm. and it's in it's uh emotionally, spiritually draining because you yeah. give your heart, you give your heart to yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm I'm I told them up front, it's like I'm a little wary, not of the music and not of you guys, but of the situation that I'm I might put myself into because once I'm in, I'm in. Yeah. yeah. When you know, once I make a commitment, I'm there. So it took a while. Then we had a couple of gigs, and then COVID stopped everything. So for that was March. The lockdown happened in March. We came back the July of next year. So more than a year. That's when we reconvened, and then we started jamming again. And somehow the chemistry was still there, man. Yeah. And, then, and the thing is, when when we when we first our first couple of jams pre-pandemic, that's when Bowie brought in Robin. Mm. And I only, know, I only knew Robin as the, the son of <laughs> Martin and Pops. It's yeah. really funny. You gotta you gotta interview with Robin. He's really funny, man. And he's a really good guitarist, man. I mean, you you heard you heard his licks on Laman. Yeah, and, dude. Yeah, there's a lot more where they that came from, and I was like shocked. It's like, what happened to Martin and Pops? Why didn't <laughs> nothing rubbed off on you? You know, I, I think it's like that's a good thing. You know, it was yeah. fun. I would, I, uh, we, I was in a conversation with Melody and Bowie, and I was like, we were, we, we were talking about Robin and how good he was because he's younger than us. He's a lot younger, mm. so he's like the baby of the band. So we're talking about yeah, galing ni Robin, man. It's like, and then I go, buti na lang rocker si Robin, <laughs> <laughs> because then we can use his talent, you know, because he's yeah. a, he's really good, man. If you if once we start recording our other songs, you're gonna see how good this guitarist is, man. Well, and, you know what? I can't I can't wait because really, um, I can't wait to hear what other surprises you have for us up your sleeve because you know Laman. Got me completely off guard. Yeah, it, it was it was not anything I expected. 
not anything that I imagined. And just by breaking any expectations I might have, mm. I I allowed myself to I surrendered. I yes. surrendered. Yeah. And what what a ride that song proved out to be. Thanks. So if you've got more songs like up your sleeve, I, I am eagerly awaiting the release and you know and, and talk about like more surprises and things up your sleeve. I can't believe we've hit a two hour mark, Wolf. We need a part two. Because we barely we barely touched on everything I want to talk to you about. All right. Um, but one thing, one, one of my biggest takeaways here is really anything you do in your life, like just play it like Wembley, man. <laughs> play it like Wembley. Play it like um, Wembley. Seriously. Wolf, thank you yeah. so much for taking the time today. We need a part two. Um, and I can't wait to hear more from the melodies. Please get, get off your asses and fucking record it so I can have the pleasure of listening to it already. And hopefully... Hopefully, when things open up, I get to visit you again and say hi, and we can hang out. Fuck yeah, man. America, man. America misses you, man. <laughs> but, uh, when, 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 I, when, I, when I think it's safe to get on a plane, I'll be right over. Yeah, man. But, you know, Wolf, thank you so much for your time this thank morning. You. We're definitely doing a part two, and we're going to shoot the shit some more, man. All but, right. dude, please, please take care over there. Um, keep on keeping on. Keep on watching those shows because I'm living vicariously through you when you post yeah. your pictures in concerts because wala pa kami dun, yeah. you know. But we'll get there. We'll all get there. We will get there, man. Yeah. All right, brother. I love you. Thank you so much. See you, man. Rockin'. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Wolf Hemora. Wow. Um, I can't believe two hours went by so fast. Um, we barely touched on everything that we had to speak about. Um, because we got detoured, but you can't deny the amazing stories that just keep on happening. Um, so, yeah, that's our episode for On the Rocks with Mr. Wolf Himora. Thank you so much to Offshore Music, Buenos Dias Panaderia, Misty Mountain Cafe, Liquor.ph, Anchor by Spotify. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm Jamie Wilson reminding you to please stay safe, stay strong, and stay sane. Keep on rocking, keep on rolling. And if all else fails, let the music keep you going. And as Wolf Himora says... Just play it like you're in Wembley, baby. And if you find that life has got you shaken or stirred, mixed up around the rocks, what matters most is that you take your shot. Thank you very much, guys. Good night. On the Rocks with Jamie Wilson is brought to you by Offshore Music. Go where the sound takes you.